This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. If you've ever wanted to learn how to raise private money, so that money that is really cheap and it'll allow you to expand, buy multiple properties at a time, flip, wholesale, rent. If you ever wanted to raise that kind of money, then this is the episode for you. It's all about building connections and telling other people what you're doing and systematizing that. And that's what we're going to break down today. And if you are a flipper or a landlord, you need to be raising money all the time. Finding deals and raising money are really the two most important activities you can do. If you are just wholesaling, then raising money really isn't as important, but still something to think about for the future. But if you're a flipper or a landlord, then make sure you listen to this episode and apply what we talk about because you're going to be able to raise a lot of money with the concepts we teach today. So today's guest is Brad Shepard, and he's an expert when it comes to raising money. He's been exclusively focusing on capital raising for commercial syndications since 2017. And so I don't care if you're trying to scrap together money for your first single family investment or you're raising money for a commercial syndication worth millions of dollars, you need to know how to tactfully raise money. So before that interview with Brad Shepard, we're going to dive into today's golden nugget of the day. And today's golden nugget is start an email list. So Brad and I talk extensively today about starting a private email list where you're just updating people where you're at, where you're going, and that will go a long way. Emails still get opened in 2021, believe it or not. And it's one of the best foolproof ways to reach your audience because it's free and it's scalable and it still works. So figure out how to start a email list, whether that's with MailChimp or HubSpot or any of those free tools and start you know, adding all your contact lists to your email list and converting that over. And you'll be surprised at how many people you know and how many people that you can just start a conversation with. And um, of those people, there might be some that reply to your email or reach out to you saying, hey, I really like what you're doing. And that may open the door to private money. You really only need a small handful of private money lenders to to build an impressive business. You don't need 10, 20, 30 private money lenders. You just need a few. And so that's what I got for you guys today. But here is today's interview with Brad Shepard. Welcome to the show, Brad. Glad you're here. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, I am excited as well. So can you give the listeners a short introduction about yourself and um, how you what you do in real estate? I could give you the uh, short, the long answer. I'll give you the medium answer. Brad Shepard recently relocated to Boise, Idaho, moved up here from Austin. Uh, So excited about that. And I've been involved in the real estate scene for a good 20 years. That was really where I wanted to focus coming out of college. And the last four years is where I've been focused on commercial syndications, getting into some of the bigger deals the team sport of putting together some uh, large syndications, which is just a fancy word for group investments, primarily focused on uh, apartment complexes, though we also do some stuff in um, mobile homes and self-storage. 
And my primary focus within that world, within that focus is working with the uh, passive investors that come along with us to participate in these opportunities. So that's a little bit about me. Happy to expand or, uh, on any of those aspects, wherever you want to take it. Yeah, I checked out your website before this, and you're very heavily focused on adding value to those passive investors and raising money for, you know, your large commercial deals. So, and that's what we're actually going to talk about today. But more focused to maybe a beginner investor who is, you know, trying to raise money for their deals, whether they're flipping or, you know, implementing the Burr method. And so we're going to dive into what that looks like and some kind of tricks of the trade there. But um, first of all, can you can you kind of go into more of the raising capital uh, of your business and how that actually works? Sure. You know, I have experience on the single family side, doing burrs, working with private lenders on that front, rehabbing properties that where I've, I've been able to bring in money from individuals that want to get involved in real estate, but don't want to spend the time on real estate. And so that's come from people I've met in meetup groups or just per, from personal networking. Um, on my last couple of deals, I had an orthodontist that just loaned me out of his pocket uh, to, 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 to finance these. And that did a couple of burrs with him. Um, prior to that, I did a couple of deals with uh, just a husband and wife team that we're still friends with down in Austin, um, where they were loaning us the money out of their self-directed IRAs to do the rehabs. And have done several with the, the seller carrying the bulk of the, uh, of the note. And that's always the cleanest and simplest. I love, love those opportunities. Turning my attention over to the commercial side, you know, roughly, I guess, four, four and a half years ago, you can be darn sure, you know, those are the first people I went to telling them about these opportunities here on the commercial space where there's even more safety nets in place, larger opportunities, uh, more economies of scale as, as well. And so, you know, of course, it starts with friends and family and past contacts, anybody that you've known from past experience. And then from there, going out to broader audiences. And that's one of the fun slash challenging aspects of raising capital is when you're branching out to people that you're meeting for the first time to talk specifically about, I want to, you, you, I want you to write a large check to this, <laughs> to this investment opportunity. And so there's a lot of getting to know you and trust building that goes along, along with that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun for me to focus on the investor side, the passive investor side to, you know, share a little bit about my background in the real estate scene. I've, I've done a lot of different aspects of real estate. What, tell them about why I like the commercial syndications and how I, I work with the, the, the operators that we partner with and allow them to focus on what they enjoy the most, what they're good at, what's, what's made them successful, where they can now take advantage of real estate without having to be the ones dealing with the fix and flips and uh, being, you know, the tenants and toilets and all the stuff that comes with landlording as well. Sure. Yeah. You know, when I think about somebody who's interested in getting into private money lending or investing in these passive deals, it's got to be someone who has more money than time. And so they, right. they've got all this money that they set aside and they're looking for a decent return that beats out the stock market or at least is comparable to that. And we can go into why somebody chooses you know, real estate investment versus the stock market. But um, certainly that's what, what my mind goes to. Is there any other reason that you see why somebody would invest in a fix and flipper, a rehabber, or maybe your syndication deals? Yeah, it really is that, you know, everybody's gotten the idea and I, I, everybody maybe is too strong. Lots of people have gotten the idea that there are really solid returns to be had in real estate. 
it comes with some protections that may not come with the typical stock market investment. But a lot of people who get that message also don't want to go out there and be a landlord, come home from their nine to five or, you know, after you know, uh, taking care of the kids or whatnot, and then go deal with property managers or tenants or county tax protests for multiple properties, what have you. There's just a lot that goes with it. If you're going to do fix and flips, obviously that's very active. I mean, that's a full-time job right there. And people uh, undersell that sometimes. I mean, that's a very active role when you're fixing and flipping. And so if you're right for individuals who want to participate on the private lending side. Yes. Some one way or another, they have built up some type of a capital nest egg for them to then deploy where they do have you know, more money than time. That's certainly that scenario. And so for younger folks who are working to build up that nest egg um, to then deploy into whatever avenue they choose. Yeah. Maybe some fix and flips where they have more time than money makes sense. Some fix and flips some burn methods. Awesome. You know, I've done those. This has helped me significantly in building up that nest egg. So I don't begrudge anybody from starting there. That's a, that's a great starting point. It's a great way to build up the war chest. Um, but yeah, it, it's simply a matter of, you know, individuals who do have more time than money are excited by the returns. They don't want to deal with the hassles. They love having other people take care of, you know, executing the business plan um, who have pro- proven track records, go out there and help them achieve those significant returns, which more often than not are, stronger than and with some more protections when could typically come in a typical stock stock market investment. Yeah. And so for us as investors, our job is to look at that need and then fill that need. So I just want to put it tangibly here. Um, if I am a new investor, haven't done a deal yet, where should I be looking for money sources? Should I go straight to friends and family or should I try out a hard money lender? And, and so where should I go for you know my first foray into real estate investing. Right. I, I have used hard money lenders and those are a great resource because they are looking at the deal rather than the individual and primarily the deal, we should say, you know, of course they're going to look at the individual a little bit, um, but it's not about your credit report per, per, per se. Um, I like the friends and family avenue. You know, it's going to have to start with people that trust you for one reason or another. Why do they trust you? And that's not because of your track record. What else, what else do you have to go on in, in real estate? At least what else do you have to go on for your friends and family to trust you with some large dollar amount for this opportunity you think is going to do well. And then you should put in all the safety nets that you would put in for any t- typical in, in uh, lender. So you, you add them to the lien. They've got a note on the property. Um, you add them as an additional insured to the, to the insurance policy that you have. So all those, all those safety nets that will help that individual, whether that's a hard money lender or, or your, your, your dad, whatever, they should be protected in the same way you would protect a stranger. And, and that can help you get over some of those hurdles. Um, when I do some seller finance deals, I'll put in. Uh, so I'll, I'll make offer, you know, in an offer to add in several insurance policies, like, you know, loss of rental income policies, um, name, keep them on there as an additional insured, um, key person, you know, life insurance policies. What happens if this lender loans me money and then I die, who's going to take on that project or buy, you know, pay them off on, you know, I'll offer to put out there, you know, a life insurance policy, naming them as the, the beneficiary. So those, 
I've never had to go to that extent, but I'll make that offer if it helps me secure the deal. So friends and family, the seller, hard money lenders, those are all individuals that I have used and to my benefit. And sometimes people will get scared of a hard money lender, but when you're talking short, you know, based on points and a high interest rate, but those are short-term loans. You get those done in six to nine months, that hard money lender could be incredibly valuable to help you get over those initial hurdles and get those first few deals under your belt. And then they become a valuable member of your team going forward. Yeah. There's two ways to kind of go about it. You can, you know, hit up friends and family or, uh, you know, just, you know, relationships that you have. And those people are probably not sophisticated uh, people with like lending companies. Right. Right. So you kind of have to hold their hand a little more, um, set up, you know, explain them the process, or you can go the route of the more sophisticated lending companies, but you're going to pay more in interest and fees, generally speaking, but you don't have to hold their hand as much throughout the process. I also think uh, right. a good way to build up a track record if you are just getting started is wholesale a few properties because that will prove to others that you know how to get deals, properties at a discount. So that will give them a little more security as far as, hey, he knows, he or she knows how to get a good deal. Therefore, I feel a little more comfortable um, lending on their deals because I know that if I ever had to foreclose, you know, which should never happen, then I get a deal that's still under market value. Also, you mentioned a great point about protecting our investors. You know, there's so many ways to protect our investors through um, the the deed of trust or the mortgage, whatever state that you're in, the promissory note, the the hazard insurance on the property. There's probably one other I'm missing. Oh, title insurance. So we want to do all those things at the very least and reassure our uh, lenders of that so that if they have any questions or they feel at, at odds, then we can, you know, hopefully put that uh, rebuttal to rest and, you know, go on and do the deal. So we don't want anything to get in the way of doing the deal if we can prevent it. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that can be, you know, you know, that, that made me think of an extra point with the, you know, the hard money lender. If a hard money lender tells you no on a deal, there's a reason because the deal stinks, right? You, what, what, so what is it about that deal that doesn't work? Where if it is your friends or family that are loaning you money, they might not be sophisticated enough to, properly evaluate a deal. So a hard money lender can is, is a really valuable partner in making sure you've thought about the deal from all different angles. And then yes, to that protection, you know, in theory, as, as well, it's not even in theory, you know, a stock can go to zero. I've, I've been there. I used to, you know, in the early 2000s, I owned some Delta stock and they went bankrupt. That stock went to zero. I got nothing for it. You know, when you, when you own a piece of real estate, as long as you've got those protections in place, like, like you just mentioned, you can't go to zero, even if the thing burns down or the flipper runs out on the, on the deal, there's still that hard asset that's sitting there that can be sold, that can be recovered. You know, a lender doesn't really want to do that because they don't want to jump in and have to manage a rehab and get it back up to a retail market to sell it off. But that option exists. And so there's a lot of protections there for, uh, for the lenders when those safety nets are put in place properly. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a final point on, you know, what would I do as a fresh, fresh beginner? I mean, if you can't find friends or family with um, money and you've exhausted all your options, um, you can call up um, national lenders. Like I think lending one is one lending home. And and so they don't look at your tax returns. They primarily just look at the deal and you are going to pay more, but it can be a great way to get your foot in the door. And as we've seen in, in this market, I mean, you can, you can, um, 
you know, you can pay high fees and incur a lot of costs and still be fine in the deal. You want to always run your right. numbers and make sure you're conservative, but don't let the fees and the high interest keep you from getting the deal. That's the last thing we would want you to do. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, sometimes people will look at a hard money lender saying 12% and two points. Yeah, that's, that's higher than what, you know, a private lender might charge, but again, for a short-term deal and an opportunity to get your foot in the door and those first handful of deals under your belt, mm-hmm. that's not prohibitive by, by any means. You can still make plenty of deals work with those numbers. Absolutely. So once you get going and start building a track record, how do you build momentum with this machine, this raising money machine? I mean, I know you, you have an email newsletter, you hop on podcasts like this. What are some ways to put yourself out there that I'm trying to raise money and here's where you can learn about my deals. Right. And you know, that, that track, track record is so valuable. So as I mentioned, I've been involved in real estate for a good 20 years with lots of different aspects, um, new development, um, vacation rentals. I've had the opportunity to raise money from um, investors across the country. I even, you know, one of my favorite stories was our favorite experiences was going to Tokyo to raise, to, to raise my, you know, to visit with an individual who's going to invest in one of our new development deals. So super fun, but it's that track record that is so important. And, but then, you know, you, that, that existing network can only take you so far. So right now, as I mentioned, my, I am exclusively focused on raising dollars for large apartment syndications. And there's a lot of dollars. We, we need a lot of investors to, to participate with us on these. And so that existing network, you know, they can only participate in so many deals before, you know, they just need to recuperate or replenish their, their ward chest. And so, yeah, so now it's a matter of me help trying to build a, a, a machine that introduces me to new individuals who are looking at real estate, interested in these apartment syndications or, or self storage or mobile homes. And it is a lot, comes back to a lot of traditional and traditional. It's kind of funny to think, say traditional when we're talking about internet, but online marketing efforts. So the email list, the website, the Twitter following. And, and like, like this, Dalen, I appreciate you having me on because podcast appearances have been incredibly helpful for me growing my network, meeting individuals who are already interested in some aspect of real estate and then hear about commercial syndications and the opportunity to play here and then reach out and want to learn more. So it is, you know, just all those different online marketing aspects and, you know, podcasts, of course, exploded in the last five years. And I found those to be incredibly helpful in getting awareness around my, my brand, my personal brand and sugar house investments out there to, to new audiences. Yeah. I think it's made up of multiple components. You know, you've got to have your personal brand and then you have to have a platform for that brand. So whether that's a podcast of your own, an Instagram page, a Twitter following, build up one stream of leads. And these leads are people who are potential investors and then go all in on that. And so that's what I'm doing here with you. And so, and then you have your email list. So whatever that looks like, you know, start with one avenue and then build that up. But one of the most powerful ways is the email list. So that's something that I am personally contemplating getting started with. Um, Can you kind of break down why you started an email list and what kind of things you maybe include in your weekly, monthly emails? Sure. So this is a bit of a tangent, but I came back from a, in college, I came back from a summer internship where I interned with a large commercial real estate developer up in Seattle and looking for a student job to get me, you know, help me pay my bills for the rest of my junior year and senior years. 
I got a job with an online retailer and I ended up being there for nine years. It ended up by the time I was graduating, we, we, we had grown quite a bit. I was able to buy into the company. We did a lot of real estate deals there as, as, as it turns out. Um, but in that world, what drove that business was our email list. And we were able to drive up that email list to roughly 600,000 subscribers. And I saw how powerful that was. I remember going on family vacations and sending out an email from Peru or sending out emails from, um, from Southern Brazil and watching the responses come in of, of the, of the retail transactions we were able to generate. And so the, the, the power of an email list is, is even today, even with all those other platforms, your Instagrams and Twitters, it's, it's unmatchable to have that direct communication to somebody's inbox. And you have to make sure you figure out how to get into their inbox and not into their spam folder. So that's a challenge. Um, but it really is you know, making sure one, once you've got this, these people into your email system, providing some type of a regular, you know, regular content that is interesting, not long, not complicated. It, can, it doesn't always have to be 100% about real estate. We like to throw in some personal tidbits. Hey, we just moved to Boise where we're excited to, to, to be here. Here's why. Um, it's an exciting little venture for our family. Look at the, the house we bought here and the, the project that it is. Um, you know, some people like those opportunities to get to know us a little bit behind the scenes while providing some value around, okay, what, why apartment syndications? Why, why mobile home? Why do we like the real estate um, more than the traditional stock market, for example? Um, so the cadence is really up to the to you or to the ind- individual who's running the email list. It, it, you know, for us, we find like a monthly a monthly update works well for us. This isn't a high volume um, market, you know, so we're going out to our investors with maybe 10 to 12 new deals each year. So it's not, it's not like we're coming out at the, at them once a week with a new deal. And so 10 to 12 is the, is, is that, that deal volume. And then we're going to supplement that with some educational touch points and personal touch points along the way as well. Yeah, that's some great tidbits there because I think everyone, even at the lowest level for example, if you haven't even done a deal yet, you could start an email list. You could talk sure. about what you're learning. You could talk about some introductory deals that you're doing. And so it's a great asset is your email list because that's your network. And so anybody you meet, like, um, for example, if, if I had an email list and I met Brad, you know, I'd put him in my email and I'd, uh, you know, send monthly updates on what I'm doing and opportunities for him. Now you don't want to like force somebody to, you know, be, become your private lender. You don't want to always be pushing, Hey, do business with me, do business with me. You want to have a more, how to win friends and influence people approach of adding value. And then as you start to add more and more value over time, the, it'll come back to you, you know, in the form of money partners and opportunities. So, and I also think it's important to mention that email is not going away anytime soon. Right. (laughs) But regulations from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those could, you know, be cracked down on those could change, but you can lose that. Yeah. Yeah. You can lose that audience anytime. Then you're, you're in the green for, for as long as you can imagine. So it's good to have that foundation as it in your email list and then maybe expand onto different things. Right. And you know, it, it is, it can be a little bit more challenging. You know, when I've talked about some of the single family deals that we've done, the fix and flips, the rentals, the burrs, it, we're talking to somebody locally who can, I can drive over and say, here, here's the house, here's the deal. Uh, with, with the apartment syndications, 
or the commercial syndications, I should say, I might, I'm sitting here in Boise talking to somebody who, who is in Missouri talking about an asset that we're going to invest in, in, in Knoxville or in Atlanta. And so it's a, it can be different. And, it, you know, and, 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 and we're talking about generally most of our deals require a minimum of $50,000. Sometimes people put in quite a bit more than that. And so it is a different level of vetting and uh, comfort and, and to, though I, you know, in all sincerity, it's, it's not extreme um, because it is, you know, in, we're, we're, we're selling a cash flow business where you know, it's, 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 a, it's a spreadsheet evaluation more so than um, an MLS evaluation. Um, and, and so, you know, you still have that, that trust building to do, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're looking at a business, you know, business operations and who are the operators, who's managing the business plan. Um, and, and so it, it, it's, um, you know, it, it all, all comes back to building relationships of trust and track record, but it, it's just a matter of, time and plugging away. And another thing I'll mention is everybody that knows me knows I'm in real estate and I'm, I don't be obnoxious about it. You know, I'm not saying that's, that's the first thing I could come at them with, but somewhere along the way, real estate's going to come into the conversation. And even on my personal Facebook page, you know, I, I, that's, that, that's meant to be my personal Facebook page. That's more about my family and my kids. But every once in a while, I'll sneak in a little post about how, wow, this latest apartment deal, we just closed on this and had a fantastic return. If this ever tickles your fancy, I'd love to talk, chat you with about it. And then from there, I, you know, I'll connect with people that I didn't really even think would have an interest in real estate. They reach out and say, hey, Brad, I'm thinking about this. Would love to chat with you more about it. Boom, I've got another investor in my, in my database. Um, so just make sure people know what you're up to is really important as well. Yeah, always you know, adding value and then kind of sneaking in maybe... Uh a chance for them to invest with you. You know, I think of it as like a bank account, you have to have deposits and then you have withdrawals. So you have to be depositing in other people's lives to make a withdrawal. You can't just immediately go for the withdrawal, then you'd overdraft. And so that that's one way to look at it. When you have somebody interested in a deal, whether you're a house flipper or a large syndicator, what is that conversation look like? Do you have to do a lot of convincing or are they just, Hey, I'm ready to go? Mm, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I am done trying to convince people. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, for me, it's about finding people who already have some notion about the strength and value of real estate. If somebody is all in on day trading and stock options, whatever, and they, they, that for them, that's the way to go have at it. I am not going to sit there and have an argument or try, you know, try to convince this individual about how real estate performs better and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's, I like people, I like having conversations with people who are already leaning towards real estate. They might be thinking, man, maybe I should do what I'm seeing on HGTV or whatever. They, they, you know, they see that aspect and I'm just going to say, Hey, have you considered going in passively instead of being a landlord, instead of being a flipper and just maybe changing the direction that way to expose them to what the opportunities on that front, but they were already leaning towards real estate. Anyway, they've already had an interest. And so it's, you know, it's not about for me convincing, it's just educating about different opportunities within real estate and the pros and cons of each. Um, and I think that's a fair point for anybody, regardless of what, what your journey is or what you're, you know, where you're at in your journey and what your focus is, is, you know, it's great to meet people up at real estate meetups or, other avenues where you find that these people have already, you know, you can tell they're already interested in real estate um, rather than going in and just convincing somebody, 
from scratch why real estate's cool. That's just a lot tougher. And it's, it's, it's easy to find people who already like real estate. So it's just focus on those people. Yeah. If it's not enough to tell somebody, Hey, you get cash now, and then you get a secured investment. If that's not enough, then I don't know how to help that person. <laughs> exactly. So you're right. You certainly don't want to waste time on people that just aren't convinced and you're having to drag them along and, you know, prod them. So yeah, that's, right. that's a great reminder. Yeah. And you, know, you, you, especially as, you know, people have experienced if they're, if they're homeowners, they've seen the value of real estate appreciate over time. And they might be thinking, man, how do I do more of this? But I, do I really want to be a landlord? What, whatever, you know, so it's, 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 it's not hard. People see and have heard the value of real estate, but, but again, if, if somebody's just already focused on, they think they can get better returns elsewhere, let them be focused on people who are, are already keen on real estate to begin with. Yeah, that's true. So can you talk about, you know, for a house flipper, they really only need one investor for the right. most part to to take down a single family house, but you're needing uh, potentially tens, hundreds of investors for your large deals. So is it easier for a flipper to secure financing or is it harder? I mean, wh- what's your take on that? That's a great question. You know, obviously we're raising a lot bigger dollars. You know, most of our deals though, you know, there might be 50 or 60 investors in each deal. So it's not hundreds though. You know, I'm talking to hundreds to, to winnow it down to the people who have the interest, the ability and the cash available right then. Um, what I would say for a, a, a flipper, you know, I, I only worked with a handful of lenders all along the way, the, the, the whole time that I was doing, sorry, a handful of lenders along the whole time I was doing flips because you find one, you treat them well, you get them the solid return, you pay them off in three or four or five, six months. And they're asking me, do you have another deal? <laughs> when, when do we go again? Because yeah. if you just return all that capital to them, they're now under the obligation to redeploy those dollars. And if they saw that I just did a good job, I treated them well, I, I made my payments on time, we, we had a successful exit, they immediately want to go again. So you don't have to go out there and run around and try to find a, multiple lenders in that scenario, one or two, and you're golden. You can, you can ride that relationship as long as you want to keep on flipping houses. Um, like I mentioned that, that couple in Austin, the orthodontist, we did multiples with them. And the only reason I hadn't needed both is because, you know, I could tap out, we had enough deals that I could tap out one of them um, where they wouldn't be available, have cash available to, to, to go on the next deal. So I needed the second one to, to be available. Um, and so, but that was it. Those, those two at the same time was, was sufficient. Um, and so, yeah, and, you know, it really doesn't take a whole lot. And it, both of those are ones I met through networking at real estate networking events, whether those are meetups or other um, uh, meetings like that. And that's it. We just struck up conversations, got to realize we you know, had enjoyed each other's company and went from there. Um, and so then on the apartment syndications, there's, I don't have as much personal connection, I would say, because there, you know, there are some investors that I have never met in person that we try to have, you know, pre COVID, we would try to have an annual event where we'd get everybody together and treat them to a nice dinner and whatnot. Not everybody can make that. And of course, you know, we're, we're all dispersed. Um, but it's, so it's a little bit more of just kind of a you know, business type relationship. Um, and we had, we do have to find more, um, but it's, I think people are surprised or would, could be surprised by how many well-to-do individuals are, are out there. It's just a matter of finding them and, you know, finding out where they hang out and then getting to know them and getting them to trust, trust you. And then showing them what they can do in the real estate without having to be an active participant. 
Yes, it's easy to think that um, everybody doesn't have much money, but and that's true. The large majority of the population is living paycheck to paycheck, but there's a good three to five percent of Americans that they have a lot of money and they need to deploy that somewhere. And if it's just sitting there, then it's hurting them. So yeah, I've I've gotten that feedback from my hard money lender. It's like, hey, when where's your next deal? You know, you are <laughs> serving them more than right. they're serving you. I feel like, especially in this market, when there is a shortage of good deals and, and they can command that higher interest rate, you know, you're you're serving them. So um think of it that way too, but also think of it as you have to to go the extra mile sometimes, like maybe write them a Christmas card or a Thanksgiving card or whatever, invest in those relationships because that's as a real estate entrepreneur, your money partners are one of your most valuable relationships. So if you only have one, two, three lenders, if you're like a flipper or so forth, then yeah, invest in that relationship, take them out to lunch, write them Christmas cards, do everything you can to maintain that relationship because over time you'll find that they'll actually give you deals so they will, whether that's bringing you real estate deals or just knocking down your interest rate a little bit to to compensate for the volume of transactions you're giving them. So always be investing in your relationships. You also mentioned um, the RIAs, Real Estate Investor Associations. How have right. those helped you build up your money partner base? Yeah. So, you know, those were, I mentioned those were really helpful, um, especially getting into a new market. You know, I'm having just moved to Boise. I'm thinking about going, going to those again. I, I honestly haven't attended Rio's for, for, for a while. Um, but you know, I want to get to know some folks here in, here in Boise. So I'm going to find myself doing that again. Um, it's, it's really helpful to find folks who are looking for active participation. Um, some of those individuals I mentioned, they happen to have you know, a little older, a little more financially secure. We're starting to look at the real estate market, maybe wanted to learn how to do some flips. And so they, they saw lending to me as a great way to see the process. And then you've know, developed great relationships through that. You just had you know, permanent lending opportunities where I haven't found those to be helpful is for the, the passive investors in these larger syndications because you know so many people at the rias as, as you'd expect they they want active participation they want to go out there and source their own deals and do the flipping and do the rehabbing and those things that they're seeing and so i you know I, that's why i i didn't continue you know i stopped going several years ago just because that was where i was finding the 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 people that um i wanted to get into these larger deals those folks i'd find more at the rotary club the chamber of commerce mm. the country club People with money who are doing other things might have an interest in real estate, but don't want to do it actively. And so that changed where I would go fishing for, for these individuals, for sure. Um, but if I'm talking, you know, somebody who wants to be active and I'm, I'm including the hard money lender, somebody who wants to loan on flips and see the whole process through from beginning to scratch, beginning to end. Yeah, I'd be hanging out at the RIAs all day long. Yeah, but you have to go where your client is. So maybe that's Absolutely. at the RIA, maybe that's at the country club. So definitely, I, I can kind of sense that at the RIAs, there's a lot of beginners, people who are wanting to do active, and there's nothing wrong with that. Usually, though, there's one or two, you know, older people that have are kind of the resident lender, and that's great to build sure. a relationship with them. But you'll probably quickly find out, like you did, that you have to look in other areas, too, whether that's online or in person. Right. I like to go to places where I'm the real estate expert. Yes. If I go to RIA... There's tons of people that are smarter than me about real estate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, there are people with way more experience. I go to the, the Rotary Club and I'm the real estate guy. 
right? Yeah. You know, there might be a, there might be a real estate agent there as, as, as well, but they're doing, you know, that's different than, than what I'm talking about. So I like to go there where I, uh, I'm, I'm the expert, you know, come to a family gathering and I'm the real estate guy. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the authority and it's a different conversation. And so you've got these people who, you know, they, okay, they wonder, okay, well, who do we ask real estate questions to? They turn to Brad. Perfect. And then I can, I can provide the information there. And then maybe that leads to a conversation about uh, participating in some of these syndications as well. So yeah, it's just a matter of picking your audience for what, what pond do you want to fish in for sure, depending on what your goals are. Yeah. And the beauty of some of those clubs is they only allow one industry to be represented at a time. So if you are the first one there, that's real estate. Wow. That could bring a lot of business to you. Sure. Yep. Good point. Awesome. Well, Brad, do you have anything more to add on this topic of raising money before we kind of get on to the last half of our show, last portion of our show? I think just underscoring what you mentioned is just taking care of these individuals. Um, I've, I've got some folks that will send me multiple referrals and I, you know, that's even to a different level. I, I, I want to take care of all of it, all of our investors, but the ones that send me referrals, I go to a different level with them, mm-hmm. um, find out what their favorite charities are and I'll make a contribution to those charities in their name and they get the, the, the nice feel good from it. Um, or the, you know, the gifts that come along with those donations or, or whatnot, uh, find out what their favorite restaurants are, or if they're married or kids, gift cards to things that they can do with the family where they like when you know, where they value, you know, that time, the places where they value spending their time or making their, their contributions. So when you find somebody, they'll make referrals, you know, everything you said about the investors, absolutely take care of them. The ones that make referrals double down on the efforts to take care of them. Those are, those are, those are key allies you want to, you want to nurture for sure. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Well, this last portion of our show is called the triple threat. And we ask the same three questions to each guest. The first one is what is the app resource or tool that has been the biggest game changer for your business? So most recently I'd say Twitter. Yeah. I've, I signed up for Twitter, whatever it was 10 years ago and just didn't really ever do much with it. In the last eight, nine, 10 months, I found it to be incredibly valuable networking with other smart, individual, talented uh, individuals from all different aspects. And it's led to several investors in our syndication deals. The, you know, the the magic happens in the DMS, as they say, Mm -hmm. and I found that to be the truth. And so all of a sudden I see myself, I'm I'm found myself to be a Twitter guy. (laughs) So what kind of things are you posting? Just little tidbits or about your company or what you're doing? Cause the Twitter is different than say Instagram or Facebook. Right. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, keep it primarily focused on real estate. I've connected with a lot of real estate folks there um, using the, the real estate related hashtags has been and searching for those has been helpful in connecting with people there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, you know, I'm a little more tentative on sharing the personal side there. I, I am using it primarily for the real estate stuff. I'll share, hey, you know, my family and I did this this weekend and here's here's something cool we just discovered about Boise or something cool we just discovered about our new house here. And so, you know, showing a little bit of that personal side, but the majority of it is going to be about um, what we're experiencing, the deals that we're, we're, we're working on on the commercial side for sure. Sure. Yeah. Question two, what has been the biggest learning lesson in the last year? Uh, that's, a, that's another, another great question. For, for years, I've, I've talked about these commercial syndications as being recession resilient and that they provide more stability than some other alternatives where people can invest their dollars. COVID proved that out. 
we didn't get the full blown recession that we thought we, we all thought we were going to get when COVID started, but it was bumpy and it was scary for all of us. We paused 2020 was a big learning year. But what we, what we saw was that these assets truly are recession resilient where my personal rentals, and I still have a handful they suffered and I'm still dealing with eviction moratoriums and tenants who could otherwise pay, but are choosing not to, cause I know I can't touch them. All the nonsense that comes with that, having to pay all the bills that, you know, those don't go away, even though my tenants aren't paying on the commercial side. Yeah. We had a couple of those, but when you're talking about 250 units, 300 units and a handful don't pay, that's much, much easier to weather than three out of four units in a fourplex not paying. So it's, it's for me, it has underscored, the that lesson of recession resilience through these large commercial op, uh, properties it's really true and it's been fun to see that play out question number three our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing whether that's financial lifestyle or otherwise so what does freedom mean to you time with my family and i know that sounds might be cliche but that's another reason why I've been selling off my personal rentals because even with good property managers, they still take up a lot of brain space. We still deal with these hassles. I'm still keeping tabs on, you know, how, how to get these people, <laughs> the eviction, being able to evict where when I invest the way I focus on now, it allows me to generate really solid returns that provides time freedom for me to truly focus on having fun with my kids. I, you know, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old is back. You know, the two-year-old's birthday was yesterday. You know, it's just, a, it's such valuable time that you can never get back. I don't want to be dealing with toilets and tenants and trying to evict people. I'd rather have other people deal with that, the, deal with that stuff, the professionals. And so the, the, the large commercial deals allow me to participate in real estate in a significant way without sacrificing time for my family. And that's, that's, that's important to me. That's awesome. Well, where can listeners get a hold of you? So best place to find me is at sugarhouseinvestments.com. That's uh, that's my business name. That's where people can sign up to our, to our email list and learn about the deals that we have going on. Daily conversations, find me on Twitter. I am at Brad Shep on, on Twitter. So that's where we can uh, connect and have uh, active conversations there as well. Yeah, that's great. So hopefully... You know, in this episode, we talked about how to raise private money, what things you can do tangibly to set yourself apart, building that relationship out. And, and so, and to, hopefully our, our goal is to have people knocking down your door to throw money at you. And that's the goal with this. So uh, thank, thank you for you. your expertise. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for your expertise <laughs> and sharing your wisdom with the listeners, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me, Dale. And it's great, to, great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review and tune in next week for the next episode.